It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Look, I didn't like the call on Kirloff, um, but there were several things we could have done significantly better in this game to, to win the game. So we'll wrap it up. We had a good series overall here. Um, you know, the sweep when you have it in, in your hand uh, is what you want. And walking away without it, a little you know, definitely disappointing. Um, but we got to get home, and we're going to take the day off, and we're going to get back to work. Oof, what a what a weekend for Twins fodder here for this State of the Twins Monday. Every Monday we do a deep dive into uh, the state of the Minnesota Twins here, Minnesota sports with Mackie and Judd, gentlemen. And I should say too, it's presented by our friends at Modest. Let's shut out Modest. Old Macadac had. Let's just say a couple, a couple <laughs> sips of modest over the weekend here. Mm. Tap room in the North Loop, right next to Target Field. If you haven't been there, it's phenomenal. They're also building a massive expansion too, that I think will be complete sometime later this summer. The Super Deluxe Premium Lager is my personal favorite, but uh, one of the coolest craft breweries, Declan, in the Twin Cities, that just opened by the way in 2016. So they've been growing fast. Yeah, in fact, uh, the Grapefruit Golden Ale, that's a great one up there. I know the Brewers are coming to town, so those Milwaukee guys are going to, you know, kind of flood that patio. So, you know, it's Twins fans. Make sure, you know, you're, you're arm in arm there, and you're being, you're being uh, you know, nice to your Brewer friends. But uh, there's great options for beer up there, um, and I'm really excited for uh, to, to see all that patio packed up with the Brewers being in sound. And, yeah, great great beer options, too, so go check out Modest. Awesome spot. And we should mention, too, for the audience uh, that goes beyond Minnesota here on this show, Modest recently began expanding distribution into New York, New Jersey, Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois, and South Dakota. Boom. So get your hands on a Modest or just stop by steps away from Target Field and the light rail. In case you needed a reminder here, boys, I just saw this circulating around from John Boy talking baseball on Twitter. The last time each Major League Baseball team won a playoff game graphic is circling around. People are discovering now around baseball what we have known for 18, 19 years. Uh, The Twins are the longest drought in terms of winning a playoff game by five years. So the last, so the, of the 30 teams in baseball right now, the Twins, 2004 was the last time they won a playoff game. The Angels were 2009. That's the second longest drought. So a five-year gap between Team 30 and 29. And then Reds are 2012. Pirates and Tigers, 2013. Orioles, 2014. And then Royals. I mean, hell, the Royals won a World Series uh, since the last time. That's circulating around right now on baseball Twitter, and it's kind of funny seeing people, holy crap, the 
The Twins? I mean, the Twins have been to the playoffs a million times since 2004 to see other people. I, it's one of the most untalked about crazy streaks in all of the four professional. Like It's because it's Minnesota and it's the Twins. It's kind of flyover country. It doesn't get talked about on a national level except like the day they get eliminated from the playoffs again, right? And then it just kind of goes away. But mm. The incredible thing about it, too, is I, I'd be curious to see, like when we talk about the last time the teams won, you know, to your point, Phil, ordinarily it's like, yeah, but that team's not that good, right? They haven't made the playoffs in that amount of time. So, right, Pirates. Yeah, so they've actually, Angels. it's not like they're 0-15. They, they just don't make it, um, and that's bad enough. But, yeah, imagine when you make it back to the playoffs. Like the Twins have gone through, the, the incredible thing about this is this streak started during what was really a great run of Twins baseball in 2004, right? Like this team was making regular playoff appearances 2010 they literally go in the toilet and then they spend an amount of time in the toilet then they bounce back and it's like the second it's like saved by the bell the new class the new class can't win playoff games yeah that's the incredible thing like this is not an extension of ineptitude that's like well hey it's the same guys or anything like that it's a completely different list manager player all of that i know yeah, it is uh it is crazy. I did see Declan's reaction. I feel like Declan and I know each other so well. When Declan's eyebrows go up in the way that they did, I can tell that he saw something on Twitter. So uh this means nothing because we're not live to the twins audience only, but Daniil Hunter is planning on skipping the Vikings mandatory minicamp, according to sources. This is Tom Pelissero. The sides haven't seen eye to eye on a new contract, and so he's not gonna be there. Lucky for you guys. We did a full Daniil Hunter trade rumor roundup over on Purple Daily today. So, yep. dumb luck by us, I guess, stumbling into uh, into that content. And so did predict want, he would skip it, by the way. Yep, look, that's that was from Judd's that's, pre-minicamp musings, yeah, if right you want here. the uh, this guy, sports dad. That guy, who's got two thumbs and some field glasses, mm-hmm. Judd's all good. Mm-hmm. This is your State of the Twins, gentlemen. Overall snapshot, record 33-33. and 33. One and a half games up on the Gardos. The Twins offense ranks 18th in runs scored per game, third in runs allowed per game. So pitching remains largely dominant just overall, starting pitching better than bullpen. Offense remains largely stagnant, although they had a couple bright spots this weekend. Baseball reference gives the Twins a 73% chance to make the playoffs, 3% to win the World Series. So you're telling me there's a chance? (laughs) Fangraphs, 65% chance to make the playoffs, 3% chance to win the World Series. We're going to go through a handful of categories here and dive into them. The first category, let's just talk about it again. Emilio Pagan continues to be a train wreck. And I know that he had a string of, like, scoreless outings or whatever. Yeah, come on. right? Defend him. So... Let's use win probability added. This is just one of a million statistics you could you could throw out to contextualize something. But over his past three seasons, so two years with the Twins and then his last year in San Diego, which was very much like his two years with the Twins. So win probability added for those uninitiated. It's essentially when you come into a baseball game as a pitcher in this case. What is the percent chance based on the score, the current situation? You know, is, are there runners on base? What is the percent chance your team has to win the game right now? Mm-hmm. 
And then when you leave the game, what is the percent chance your team has to win the game? So obviously if you come in and uh, you inherit a bases loaded, nobody out situation, and you're clinging to a one-run lead, the opposing team might actually have like a 60% chance to win the game. And then you strike out the next three batters, bang, bang, bang. And now you've gone from them having a 60% chance to win to you having a 60% chance to win. You have increased your team's chances to win, and that that goes on the pile of win probability added or subtracted, right? So Emilio Pagan, out of 198 qualified relievers over the past three years, ranks 193rd in win probability added, which means he is decreasing the Twins' chances to win more than almost any reliever in baseball is to their team over the past two and three seasons. I'll give you a couple more. This season, when the Twins are ahead, so when they're leading and he comes into a game, his OPS against is 1,300, which is like better than Barry Bonds in the middle of the steroid era, but better, right? Yep. When the Twins are behind, his OPS against is 400. He's lights out when the Twins are losing. He is, it's like he's facing steroid Barry Bonds every time he faces a batter when the Twins are leading. Mm Mm-hmm. And then in his career, if you want to go big picture for his entire career, Emilio Pagan, in, in high leverage situations, according to baseball reference, his OPS allowed is over 200 points higher in high leverage situations than in all other situations. So basically, if you're putting him in in a close game or a game in which you lead, you're asking for what happened yesterday. Yes, and they continue to ask for it. So, I guess, is the- well, and but that's the thing is, so Pagan, you just went through a litany of facts that prove that when you put him into a situation like you did yesterday, which is a team puking up a game in progress, they were up six to one at one point. Um, here's my question: with the flow of that game, and it was a weird game. It was a long game because the what Hunter. Wendell Stead, the home plate umpire, got hurt. There was a delay because of that. There were some weird things that transpired. But you were on the verge of sweeping a series in Toronto. Very impressive, especially since Tampa Bay had just kicked your behind for three games. Um, you were you had a chance to come home with momentum and a day off on Monday. Okay? Now, I know it was the bottom of the order, but it's well established. Pagan, in certain situations, is not good. The fact he's still on the roster is a miracle, but that's a different discussion. So here's my question from the flow of that game. And my question would go, I guess, to the front office, to Rocco, and to Pete Mackey, the pitching coach. By the way, spelled differently. Yeah. Now we're just wanna, I just want to create a little bit of – actually, when he's, uh, when he's overseeing the starting pitchers, we're first cousins. When he's overseeing Emilio Pagan – Never no relation. The facial expression never changes. That guy looks like a complete dead ass, but that's a different story too. <laughs> he does. He looks like a dead ass. Not my fault. Uh, anyway, just a drive by. Anyway, here's my question though, and I, I think this is the primary talker off yesterday's loss. Wanderon had pitched, had come in in the ninth and pitched two innings in the win on Friday, which was a nice come from behind win. Okay. What he didn't pitch. Saturday, okay, I get that. They're off today. 
Why wouldn't you bring him in again in the eighth on Sunday to try and nail that game down? Because you had that game. You could feel it slipping away. And again, you know, it's not like you brought in a reliever that you entirely trust. I mean, Griffin Jacks, I think, has gained more trust of late. But there is no question that Emilio Pagan is not. With a day off on Monday and Duran not having pitched on Saturday, why would you not try and nail this sucker down with him? So yeah, I think so. I think it's one of I think there's two questions off this. That that's definitely one of them. Just the order in which you bring guys in. So the lead was slipping away. It was six to four, right? That that was the scenario, right? I remember six to four. Um, you already used Griffin Jacks. So I'm kind of with you. Why not just go to your best arm to lock down a sweep in that situation? So I agree with you. But then there's the second question, which is more of a macro question of. Why is Pagan still in a position to be pitching in the what seventh and eighth inning of games in which you're trying to protect one and two run leads? Yeah, why is he here? Is there another body out there somewhere in the universe that you could have put in this situation? Not a second guess, like oh, in retrospect, maybe they should have a first guess going into the offseason. They didn't have to do this. So every time this happens, it's not that whoever would replace him would be perfect and flawless throughout the season, but every time they do this. It's an obvious first guess. And yesterday was just another one on the pile. And I think Racco alluded to the fact that he threw 38 pitches on Friday. That was a season high for him, so he hasn't thrown that many pitches. It, it, I'm not as gospel as that, but there is probably a reasoning there. But with the off day that's built in on Monday, could, could have Pagan probably have come in yesterday and locked things down? Yeah, yeah I think he would have. Well, how many days off do you need? Okay, so let's go back to that Friday game. And that's, you know, that those are intense. That's two innings, 38 pitches. It's intense. He put a couple guys on, so he's pitching out of the stretch. Like, I get it. But, and I, so I get not using him or him being unavailable on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Is he then automatically, so he pitches two innings and it's sort of stressful. He has to be off now for 48 hours or 72 hours. Like, where, where do we draw that line, I guess? In a in a situation in which you're clawing your way to try and finish 500, and are at you this point right? and what what also makes zero sense is are you assuming that you're going to have late leads on Tuesday and Wednesday? Like yeah, I don't like a, he he could be off for five days now. Yeah, I agree. It's like that's a game you are you have a lead. It's slipping away. The flow of that game was not hard to pick up on. You know, it was six yeah. to one and six to four. Now, are you assuming okay he needs today off? He needs or he's going to get Monday off, but then on Tuesday we're going to have a late lead against the Brewers. Like, is that your assumption? And maybe, maybe the, the the clapback would be, okay, we're not going to run him out for two innings again. And so they thought someone's got to get three outs besides Duran. Yeah. Whether it's Pagan now or you put Duran in and then you know somebody else handles the bottom of the ninth inning, which wound up never happening because they lost. <laughs> they took care of so, that. I get it. It's not. There's not always like easy decisions here when you're trying to manage a bullpen for the short term and the long term. But the, the point is, Emilio Pagan. I, I don't know what more evidence you need that he's not trustworthy in these situations. Uh, okay, number two, category number two. Carlos Correa is heating up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The go-ahead grand slam a couple nights ago on the road trip. He had an OPS over a thousand in the six games. Five extra base hits on that road trip over the last month. His OPS is over 800. It's like 832, which is right in line with his career. So the last month he's been in line with his career, and the last week he's been red hot for the most part. So 
Judd, uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on him finally showing up now in the middle of June, like early to middle part of June? It's about time, right? It's about time. And yes, I agree. Now, now I guess my question is this, because we have seen him go through brief streaks like this uh, in the first two months. My question is, is this going to be sustained now? But yeah, it's about time. What he did on this trip is what you need. That's This is what you need. And I, I think he really started to get hot in the, was it the afternoon game at Tampa? I think he homered in that game. But anyway, the last like four or five games, this is what you expect. Now, un- unfortunately, he also made that bad throw to Kirloff that cost him big time um, because it was followed up by the Chapman home run. But nonetheless, at the plate, I mean, I'm not apologizing, but I am saying this should be the expectation. Well, yeah, I don't think you should have to apologize for saying, hey, uh, you're paying $35, $36 million for this, and it's like the delivery is two months late, right? We You ordered a package uh, in March, <laughs> and you're expecting it to arrive the first week in April, or at the very worst, the first week in May, and then we're into June. It's like, where's my Amazon yep. box? Yep, I'm calling. Where's my, where's my Carlos Correa? I'm texting. Exactly. He's not the type of player. I And I hear all the defenses that, hey, sometimes it, it takes him until June. June is one of his hottest months, et cetera. It's like, okay, but you're not paying for a guy to not play well in April and May. So you're you're off to a rocky start with this contract. And you know that the further into the, that's the other thing in terms of like Twins fan anxiety. You know that this contract is a little bit of a ticking time bomb the longer you go. You had two different organizations say, Length of contract is a huge problem because we've never seen a more train wrecky ankle than we saw with Carlos Correa. So you're really hoping to maximize this year, next year, the year after. You have a, a really good starting rotation. You've got some players in their prime that, like Byron Buxton, that you don't know how many years left he has. Jorge Polanco is hanging by a thread. So if he doesn't produce this year consistently and next year, I think the contract starts to get really dicey after that. And that's why. Guys like you, rightfully so, were questioning it back in April and May. Mm-hmm. Now, if he continues doing this the rest of the season, and boom, into October, okay, like no one's ever going to be like, oh, buddy, he was off to a slow start. Right. But it's going to take more than a week or two of this performance to make up for a rocky start to the new contract. Absolutely. Yeah, you like uh, to think it's a turning point, right? The big grand slam or the big three-run bomb that it, it turns things over for him. He can start absolutely hitting and not criticizing as much. He's getting that average closer to 250. We're getting closer there now. He's above 200. He's 217. We're making a climb. We're and he's get, he's drawing some walks, getting on base a little bit. It's it's coming around. Okay, uh, before we get to Category 3 here, a shout-out to our friends over at Burnsville Heating and Air, which if you're looking for an HVAC system, rec- definitely recommend you contact Burnsville Heating and Air. But that's not why we're talking to you today. Uh, Burnsville Heating and Air is hiring. And uh, they're hiring all levels of experience. So even if you don't have experience with HVAC systems, you can get great training from their pros to help you along. If you're searching for a great summer job or you're a recent college graduate, you can work close to home with full-time jobs throughout the seven-county metro area here in the Twin Cities and western Wisconsin and join the rapidly growing team of heating and cooling experts for over 35 years. Apply now at BurnsvilleHeating.com and click Careers. That's BurnsvilleHeating.com and click careers. Uh, Also, a shout-out to uh, our friend Tom Bernard. Judd, the Tom Bernard Morning Show is uh, off and running here under the Hubbard umbrella going back to February. You make appearances on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays talking sports and life and whatever. 
I'm on the show on Mondays and Fridays, both of us around 9.15 or so uh, for our appearances. And you can find that show at TomBernardShow.com. Streaming, podcast, anywhere you find podcasts, TomBernardShow.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. All right, category number three here is called abuse of the pitch clock. So I want your guys' thoughts on what happened. Rocco alluded to it in that opening soundbite that Declan just played. So top of the sixth inning, Twins are clinging to a 6-4 lead. There's two on, two out. Alex Kirloff is at the plate, and the count is 0-2, so he's in a bit of a tough spot. But he has stung the ball two or three times already going into this plate appearance, and he's one of the Twins' probably two best hitters, maybe three best hitters. And this is a chance with a base hit or an extra base hit to put some more distance between, you know, your 6-4 lead. And uh, they showed the the behind-the-catcher view of this. So the umpire rings him up on an automatic strike three for a pitch clock violation. And they show the the behind-the-catcher view so you can see where the pitch clock is. Now, the batter has to be in the box and engaged at the eight-second mark as it's counting down. He's in the box. With eight seconds to go, both feet in the box. He's got the bat on home plate. He's looking down at the bat on home plate as he's tapping home plate. He's not looking at the pitcher. And the umpire takes that moment to call time and call Alex Kirloff out on an automatic strike. Is that what this rule is for? No. Do the Twins have a gripe? Yes. Absolutely. Here's what I don't get. So if it's called a ball or strike because of a an actual clock violation where the clock runs out, that comes from upstairs, umpire gets buzzed, no debates, okay? This particular call is umpire discretion. It has nothing to do with the upstairs guy. It has everything to do with the umpire's discretion. And what I don't understand is why this portion of the rule right now exists. So it's 8 seconds. So as long as we get the pitch off by the time we get to zero, that's all that counts, right? Yeah, if you're standing so around we scratching doing? yourself and the pitch, yeah. So, like, but, but, I mean, if he's looking at the pitcher, if he's not, there's eight seconds left. The pitcher does not have to deliver with, like, five seconds left. It's when the clock gets to zero. Why would you empower umpires more? That's what I don't get. They don't need that. Um, so, some of them enjoy it too much, but if this had been on Toronto – I would feel the same way. I don't get that part of the rule. Well, couldn't we? Yes, yeah, so I don't either. And I don't. I don't think he. I don't think he violated it. He, he was didn't. in the box. Yeah. 
He's in the box. He's ready. It's a huge pitch. What do you think? You think he's just he's not dilly dallying. He's in the box. So why can't the pitcher? I, here's what it should be. With eight seconds left, you're on your own, batter. If you're not in the box and engaged, if you're standing outside the box for if you're just doing nothing, if you're not looking, he can throw that pitch with eight seconds left. That's what the rule should be. Once it gets to the eight second mark, you're on your own. If you're not looking, sorry. And that ball goes over the plate. But to make it like, I can see if his foot was outside the box, he's adjusting his batting gloves, and now the clock is at eight. Yeah, okay. He's violating it. If he's standing in the box right. with eight seconds to go, and he's the, got, he's, the, the bat is like, you know, I don't understand. It just feels like a step. And I'm all for like, I love the new pitch clock. I love the pace of play, everything. It just felt like such an abrupt, odd interruption to the flow of that game in a key spot. It just, did anyone ask for that? Would the if if that umpire hadn't stepped out, would the Blue Jays have been like, "Oh, I don't know, he wasn't looking at the pitcher." I don't even think the Blue Jays were thinking about it. It makes no sense. It makes zero sense. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what. I guess they're trying to. the The idea would be that they want the if the pitcher's ready and the hitter's not ready, right? That they want to keep the game moving. So now it's on the hitter, right? Like the hitter is at fault. The pitcher's ready to go, and the hitter's going to be at fault. But it's eight seconds, and Rocco even alluded. I mean, he's looking up at him. You know, he's looking up, but like he just happened to glance down for that two seconds, not even a, a flash of a second, and he gets yeah. called for it. It's it's BS. Yeah, just like like he glanced down his feet. Like who? I, yeah. I just I don't get it. Okay, category number four for you guys here, State of the Twins. Royce Lewis remains a badass. Mm-hmm. This dude, mm-hmm. and he sat Saturday, right? So he played Friday, had four hits on Friday. And then uh, came back and played Sunday, had three more hits. So he had seven straight plate appearances with a hit across Friday and Sunday. And these are like lasers, man. One of the hits, he hit so hard that Bo Bichette couldn't handle it. He, Bo Bichette actually caught the line drive, and like the momentum carried him, and the ball popped out. So on the season now, small sample size. Uh, actually, let's combine his two seasons now to create a bigger sample size. So in the major leagues, he's now played 22 games, 82 plate appearances. He's batting 309 with a 519 slugging percentage. Only one walk in 82 plate appearances, so he's definitely a free swinger. But, um, God, the energy he brings, the confidence he brings, uh, the Jeterian style of batting stance and hitting the ball up the middle and everywhere. like He's a ball player. He just looks the part. He does, yes. Um, Now, now he did, I, I think it was... In yesterday's game, foul a ball off his foot. Please, God, let this guy stay healthy. Like, please don't let this be Buxton 2.0. But, man, does he look and play the part perfectly. Um, I think being excited about him is justifiable. Like, there are some guys where you're like, okay, that guy, you know, who who was the outfielder that came up about eight years ago. Is it Chris Parmalee? And it's like, he's playing great. It's like, yeah, but he's really not that good, right? Chris Parmalee. This guy yeah, he's is, a first this, baseman outfielder. Yeah. This guy, there's justifiable excitement. And he is also a guy that I think eventually, again, health provided, he's a guy that would be worth paying to see, which I can't say for a lot of twins. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I'm not going to quantify this, but I feel like he will sell more tickets and put more butts in the seats than Carlos Correa and the contract. I, Completely agree with you. Because there's something, well, it's two things. There's something a little bit tainted about Carlos Correa's personality now. Not when the Astro stuff kind of felt dirty. 
and then we know that he really wanted to go somewhere else and then somewhere else and he's here but it's like <laughs> and his- he's not really here by choice so it's it's going to be hard to really put our arms around an outsider that didn't yeah. really want to be here and embrace him yes Royce Lewis is truly an insider in terms of the twins drafted him they chose him as the number 1 overall pick mm-hmm. he's come all the way up through all levels of their system starting at you know 18 years old and so we tend to really gravitate toward the homegrown guy, the the quarterback that was drafted. I think there's a reason why there's more Dante Culpepper fans than maybe Kirk Cousins fans, because one was homegrown, the other wasn't. You know, so yes, I think there's a certain attachment to him. I feel from just being around Twins fans that other players don't necessarily have. Agree completely. Yeah, he's a superstar, man. Um, he's a star player, and it's it's cool to see their first round picks and top prospects come to fruition, right? Because we always, I think, I think a lot of fans, Minnesota fans, get tepid on prospects because rightfully so, you hype them up forever, and all their, you know, you don't understand. You can't trade your fourth best, your first best, yeah. your third best. Well, this guy actually has a ceiling here. It's probably actually going to hit the rare prospect that's probably going to hit his true ceiling, um, and it's cool to see. And when it's the number one overall pick and what he's been through, it's even it's even cooler to see too. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. He's 24 years old already. Yeah, well, he's missed so much the, time because of those stupid injuries. Yeah, the injuries. So he actually went, let's see here, 2019. He had kind of a weird down year in 2019 between high A and double A. And then he tore up the Arizona Fall League. So that he ended the 2019 baseball calendar year with this great 22-game stretch in the Arizona Fall League against some of the other best young players in baseball. He batted... 353 with uh, an OPS just under 1,000. It's like, okay. So going into 2020, it felt like he was knocking on the door. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic hit, and his season, much like everyone else, Alex Kirloff, got wiped out because they did not play minor league baseball in 2020. And then 2021 and 2022 were the, the knee injuries and everything. So he did not play baseball at all in 2020 or 2021 in a regular season minor league or major league game. So when he when he came back last year, you're kind of like, oh, man, he, he played like a month of AAA, and you're like, all right, well, he did well there, but he's barely played baseball. Mm-hmm. And then he's out again. So he's he's actually only played in, going back to 2019, he's only played in like 65 baseball games. He's like Trey Lance. <laughs> yeah. So... It's you know, to have your timing the way that he does. I have to think that it's only going to improve from here because when you only play 65 baseball games between 2022, 2023, since 2019, your timing can't be perfect. So the fact that he's doing this and probably still getting adjusted to just playing baseball for, uh, you know, for the first time in a while, pretty cool to watch. Yeah, he is. Um, we're owed him because of Buxton. Because we've been robbed. Oh, wow. We've been ro- Seriously, Byron Buxton's career right now is never going to be what it should have been. Correct. Because he's been hurt, because of fluke injuries, because of everything, right? We are, Byron Buxton would have been, in my opinion, a superstar. Like, I've seen enough to say that guy would have been the be- one of the best players in baseball. We were robbed of that. We are owed this now. We are owed a Dude, is- star player who might border... On superstar, interesting sort of topic that you've brought us into here because, like, the, in terms of like Twins fans being owed something, I feel like there's a lot of self-inflicted stuff throughout the yeah. last twenty years with the Twins. But agreed, Buxton degenerative knee issue, 
I'll put Joe Maurer in that category. So Joe Maurer, at the end of the day, he's a borderline Hall of Famer. So you could say he did live up to the number one overall pick status from 20 years ago. Yes, he did. Agree. But he really came nowhere near replicating his peak, his peak being 2008, 9, and 10, ages 25 through 27, which included an MVP. It included gold gloves, silver sluggers, batting titles, and then all of a sudden 2010-11 hit and mysterious injuries and ailments, and he was physically never the same after turning 27 years old. So it kind of feels like we missed out on a huge chunk of his peak as well because of injuries and Morneau different too. things. Yeah, dude, Morno with the mm-hmm. concussion problem. Yeah, I mean, that totally changed. That, his career was – concussions altered from the day that they happened. Morno and Maurer's careers were altered. But at least yeah, I feel like we one. got I feel like we got the, those guys. I felt like we saw their peak though at their best. I would argue we we will never see Buxton's peak. Yeah. Or Tyler Malley's. We got cheated out of Tyler Malley, <laughs> Joe Maurer, Chris Paddock, Byron Buxton. Where where I will where I will say that the Maurer thing doesn't feel quite as bad is this. It's a little bit self-inflicted because he stayed a catcher for so long. Yeah. You wonder what what would have let's say they decided early, right? I mean, wasn't Bryce Harper a catcher? Oh yeah, a lot of guys when they when he was like in high school. Yep. Yes, he was a catcher. And they said when he got drafted at age eighteen, they said, Uh "All right, grab an outfield glove, kid. We're not going to do this." And Bryce Harper still has that injury issues, but his offense has probably flourished more. So if but that's the thing, Maurer was such a great catcher. But maybe let's let's say after two thousand, you know. 2007 or 8 or something, they would have said, all right, enough of this. Let's try to preserve this thing for 10 more years. Would that have been enough to eliminate some of the back, the knee, just the, the ailments the that concussion. he suffered or the concussion issues? Yeah, I mean, how many foul tips? And back then, we weren't paying as much attention. No. You know, he'd take a, take a foul tip. All right, let's uh, maybe rescue a day game after a night game and then put you back out there on Monday night, right? What a wuss. He left the game because of a foul. <laughs> yeah. He got his bell rung. What a – yes, exactly. What, what's right. crazy about – the because I, I, you know, Maurer got savage, and some of it was like Dan Barrero would go on his afternoon radio show for years and did the how long will Maurer milk it kind of a thing. But but people had an issue with Maurer not toughing out injuries, and he'd sit day games after night games, even though he's a catcher, which is commonplace. And that dude played consistently over 100 games a year. In fact, 131, 140, 146, 138, 130. We were criticizing him for playing 137 games instead of 162. And toward the end of his career, when he was banged up, moved to first base, he's playing 120, 158, 134, 141, 127. We would kill for Buxton to play those types of game numbers. And Royce Lewis. If you said right now, Royce Lewis, you can take 135 games a year or door number two. I would I would take door number one. I would take 135 games a year and take my chances. Mm-hmm. Would and, you guys? Absolutely. Yes. And today's Twins administration would never allow Joe to continue to catch. Yeah, man. It'd be, it'd be so curious to see just in an alternate universe if he played third base yeah. or played... Yep. Outfield, right maybe, field. Hell, maybe he's a first baseman who's the best defensive first baseman in the league in his prime. You know, right? I mean, yeah, I guess right field, but he would have been if, if he would have devoted first. But Morno was a first baseman, so that was really yeah. never really couldn't have happened until after the Morno concussion stuff. But interesting. 
So, all right. Any other final thoughts from you guys on this State of the Twins presented by a Modest Brewing Company? Yeah, I got one more here. Michael A. Taylor. He was one for four. He bats ninth. He is now hitting 231. Leave him alone in center. Don't get cute. He is defensively outstanding, in my opinion. He also won you the game on Friday. Yes, and he's got some pop. But but my point is, it's likely don't play him consistently because, oh, what about his ballot? You know what? No. He is he is as good a replacement as you can possibly have for Buxton. And when it's like, and I know that this guy is a utility guy, and he's good too, but when it's like, well, we're going to stick Willie Castro in center today. No, don't do that crap. Don't get cute. Leave Taylor batting ninth. Leave him alone. And if you're looking to sit a guy, might I suggest, despite the fact he homered on Saturday and I don't care, Max Kepler took another over. I don't understand. He's a little bit of a resurgence since all. I think he probably senses after the base running thing. I think he he felt the urge to contribute some more, right? But what I don't understand him playing so much. I barely understand him being here still. I don't know. That. But Michael A. Taylor, leave him alone in center. He's really good there. He gives your pitching staff a lot of help. He makes catches that a lot of guys may make look hard. He makes them seem pretty simple. And that's my big thing. Do you have to die for balls? Are, are you trying to lunge for balls? Michael A. Taylor actually looks incredibly comfortable and makes difficult plays look routine. Yeah, he's also, just in terms of wins above replacement position players for the Twins, and this includes your positional value, et cetera. So here's the the rankings for the Twins so far. This is this doesn't count pitchers. Willie Castro has been the most valuable in terms of wins above replacement player for the Twins so far. Wow. And part of that's he's just played more games than some guys, and he's contributed. Ryan Jeffers, who's kind of an on-base machine for the Twins this year. Uh, Carlos Correa and then Michael Taylor are tied for third. With Byron Buxton also tied for third. Okay. And then lower on the list, Alex Kirloff, and he'll go up at some point. Royce Lewis is already in the mix. Uh, Donnie Barrels is down there. Donnie Barrels. I'm with you. I think, you know, you're not going to find a a perfect replacement for Buxton in center, but he plays good defense. Isn't he 11 for 11 in stolen bases, too? I think you're right. That's another thing. Yes. So, all right. There's your State of the Twins here, presented by Modest Brewing Company. A deep dive into... The Minnesota Twins just struggling to stay above 500 here as we get into the middle of June. But thank God they play in an absolutely atrocious division. Uh, let us know what other Twins topics you want us to hit sometime this week or next week. And uh, if you could click the subscribe button and the like button on the Score North YouTube channel, you can help spread the word about this community of fans that just wants the Twins to win a damn playoff game for the first time since George W. Bush's first administration. I mean, come on. 